Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the River Community Church podcast. If you want more information about the church or things that are going on, you can visit therivercc.com or you can check out our app at app.therivercc.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Steve Taboo. If you got your Bibles, go ahead and pull them out. We are reading through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And we have been going through books like Jeremiah and Ezekiel, and and we came across Daniel this week, and I was so excited because one of my favorite stories, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were in this week's reading. I was like, Lord, please let me preach on this. And I felt like he said yes, so I was like, I am all in. Because one of my favorite stories, it's a great story as we look at boldness and courage and our faith and in life and standing up for what's right. I was so glad to get to do that. Now, uh, if you got your Bibles, we're going to look at Daniel chapter 3, and we're going to start with verses 4 to 12. While you're going there, let me give you a background on the story. Uh, We talked a little bit about it last week, how uh, Jeremiah had been preaching repentance for the people. They had been ignoring God. They were worshiping idols. They had moved idols, graven images into the temple area, and we're going to the temple area to worship idols instead of to worship God. And they were taking their children and sacrificing them, killing them for the God of Molech. And so that that was a mess. God was telling them to turn away from that evil and turn back to him, and they were ignoring him. And so over and over again, we see Jeremiah telling them, turn back to God, turn back to God, turn back to God, or the Babylonian empire is going to conquer you. If you don't do this, the Babylonian empire is going to come in and take over. And guess what? They ignored them. And so the Babylonian empire came in, took over, conquered the city, and took away a lot of the the leadership of the, the Jewish people. Now, I explained last week that when the Babylonians took over a country, they would try to disperse the people throughout the nation so that they wouldn't rise up as a nation again. That's why you don't have any eat nations of Edom or Moab or any of those other nations that were at the time of the Jews. They aren't around anymore because they were conquered and dispersed. So they did that with the Jews. And so we have these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These were three of those that were trained and raised up to be leaders in the nation. And they gave them the new names. These aren't their actual names. Their actual names were Hananiah, Azariah, and Michelle. And so these three guys, they, they were given Babylonian names to make them more Babylonian, but in their heart, they still worship God. And they're given these opportunities. First test for them was the food they were going to eat, and they were being given food from the king's table, which would not have all been appropriate for a Jew to eat. And so they said, please, let us not eat that food. Let us eat what we eat as Jews. And they said, okay. And uh, they they actually performed better than those that ate the food from the, the king's table. So they were given that favor. And then this takes place. Now, the story here is Nebuchadnezzar has been highly successful as a king and a ruler. They've conquered these countries. Uh, Israel was just one of many. And the king starts getting very full of himself, very prideful. And he says, look, build me a statue of myself. Now, we think some of our heroes today or leaders are a little bit pompous 
he wanted a 90-foot-tall statue of himself covered in gold. And so that's what they built. Now, the, the cross on the hill over here is 110 feet. So that ought to tell you just how tall that statue was at 90 feet tall. And he said, I want you to build this statue, and then we're going to have everybody come in town, have a big celebration, and we're going to have the, the guitars playing, the different instruments playing, and when they play, everybody's going to bow down, and they're going to worship that statue of me. Well, there's a problem. Not everybody agreed with that idea, and that's where we're going to pick up here. Uh, Daniel chapter 3, we can pick it up here at verse 4. Daniel chapter 3, picking up verse 4. It says, Then a herald shouted, People of all races and nations and language, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. So at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever race, nation, language, bowed to the ground and worshiped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews they said to King Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king. You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue. When they hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some, if you got your Bibles, underline that. But there are some, there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you've put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we'll start there. Most gracious Father, I come before you and just say, I want the courage of these guys. I come now and I, I intercede for everybody in the room and pray that we would have the courage of these three men to trust in your power, to trust in your love, to trust in your might. Lord, I ask you that as I preach this today, God, that literally each one of us, that you would bring to mind moments in our life where we've either been obedient or we failed. And help us to learn from that. And Lord, we ask that you trust us again and again with new opportunities to take a stand for you and that you'll give us the courage to do so. And we pray that in Christ's holy name. Amen. All right, if you have your listening guide, pull that out. Uh, the first thing I want you to see is that everyone has the temptation to bow down. Everybody is tempted in this nation, and Nebuchadnezzar, but in our lives, everybody in here, we get tempted to bow down, to bow down to a culture that says that as followers of Christ, we should just be quiet, to bow down to 
the pressures of those at work that may say, you know what, you just need to follow our ways. And if we're asking you to do something dishonest, just turn the other way and ignore it. I remember I was working at a coffee shop in California, and we were making making those, and I was, I was doing the coffee. That was my job. I, funny, I got a job at Starbucks, and I didn't even like coffee. I remember on the application, it said, what's your favorite thing about coffee? And I was like, I don't like coffee. But I put caffeine down, and I got the job, right? I was like, yes. And uh, I worked at, I figured coffee shop would be a great place while I started the church out there because I could get up early at 4 a.m., go to work, and be done by noon, and then then do the church planning, and it worked well with my wife's schedule. She was working doing physical therapy, and, and so I got the job. And one day, we're doing these drinks, and it was a grande non-fat latte. I'll never forget that. It stuck in my head forever. And my boss was running the other side, and I saw him pull the, the whole milk out and put it in there. And I said, grande non-fat latte. I said, um, non-fat? He's like, yeah. I'm like, and the lady looks at me, and she goes, is that non-fat? And I asked him again. I was like, was that non-fat? He goes, yes. And me and the lady, we both saw what he put in there. And I was like, I'm sorry, ma'am, it's not. Oh, buddy, he ripped me a new one up one side, down the other. Once we got back in that room, don't you ever do that to me in front of a customer and I said, well, I'm sorry, but I can't lie for you. And he just, I mean, he yelled at me. I said, look, I said, you can fire me, but that's where I draw the line. I'm not going to lie for you. And he was not happy. Where, where do we draw that line? Where's that line for you? Well, hopefully we, we get our... Our, our understanding from where that line should be for all of us from the Word of God. But in the moment sometimes when, when everybody's staring at you and the pressure's on, is it hard to be the one person that stands alone? At least Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had each other, right? There were three of them. They were all three locked arms. They all three stood up. They all three were willing to go against the temptation and stand firm together. What do we do in those moments? Several years ago, we, uh, as a city, we were going through a, a, a tough moment, in my opinion, of trying to decide how much alcohol is enough for our community. And they were voting, and they had the votes to bring in the, the liquor stores. And I grew up in Memphis. I wasn't a fan of liquor stores. Uh, my experience at liquor stores was that's where uh, those that were were struggling with alcohol just seemed to hang out. And so I went to the to the city council and just said, "Hey, you know, personally, I'd, I'd rather not have any, but but if it's already decided, can we at least put them in areas that are one away from the college and two away from the projects and the other vulnerable spots?" And they listened. They were, they were very receptive, and we had the dialogue. And then I got the, the plans back, the zoning plans, and they were still going to put one. They, they didn't put any near the, the projects that we have, which I was very thankful for. But then they were going to put one by the college 
and one was zoned for across the street from the rescue mission. And I was like, ah. Oh. So I, I called Larry Self. He was the director of the rescue mission at that time. And said, Brother Larry, I said, you know, I don't know if you've seen this. He's like, yes, I've, I've seen it. I said, well, I don't know if you know it, but, but right across the street from the rescue mission, it's, it's zoned to be zoned for a liquor store. He was like, what? I said, yeah, I can show you. So I met with him and showed him. He's like, I said, would you like to go to city council with me and, 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 and speak into this? He said, I sure would. So Brother Larry showed up that night for the city council meeting, and uh, he got his chance to speak. And they said, Brother Larry, would you like to speak? And he said, uh, men, women, I just got to say, I've been doing ministry for 40 years trying to rescue people off the streets. And for a long time, the biggest challenge I have is alcoholism. And he said, and if you think putting a liquor store across the street is helping, he said, it's not. He said, matter of fact, if you put that liquor store across the street from Rescue Mission, you might as well be just spitting my eye right now. And he sat down. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, brother. You just kind of spoke a word there. And guess what? They didn't zone a liquor store across the street from the Rescue Mission. And I think it was the wise decision. And I think they thought it was the wise decision. But I know that they were under a lot of pressure as well. I was thankful that Brother Larry was willing to speak up for the people that he served at the rescue mission, knowing that that would not be a great idea. Sometimes we're in those moments, and we don't even know we're going to be on those moments. That's why I want to preach this sermon today, so, so that when those moments come, you'll be able to recognize them like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. I mean, they would have had time, right? I mean, this was a big pronouncement. They were in the government. They knew it was coming. They could have maybe tried to dodge out and, like, like pretend they had COVID that day or something, you know, like quarantine, quarantine, 14 days, you know, and just not showed up. But they didn't. They showed up, and they stood up. And they had the courage. And this phrase, but there are some, but there are some Jews. That may be said of us someday. We want to do this, but there are some that are still saying no. There are some that are still holding the line. There are some that are still saying dot, dot, dot. How many Jews were there that got taken into captivity? We don't know an exact number, but thousands. But there were some that stood. You know the hardest time it is to be a Christian and behave like a Christian is when you're around a bunch of Christians that aren't behaving like Christians. You know what I'm saying? Like if I'm in a group of pastors and all of a sudden somebody starts gossip going about a pastor in the community, Man, that's a juicy morsel, right? Just like, like sitting there. Like I was in the group pastors one time and, and we're doing our prayer time. And, uh, and I just, I'm kind of a transparent guy. You've seen that in me. And so I just kind of vomited right there what I was going through and before all of them and said, well, this is how I need you to pray for me, you know? And the next guy, he was like, wow, okay, that was transparent. And then he got transparent. He shared what he struggled with. Next pastor share what he was struggling with that week. And the last pastor goes, well, you know what? He said, uh, my sin's gossip, and I'm really struggling with not wanting to tell everybody right now. 
And he was actually joking. I didn't know at first because I didn't know the guy that well. He was actually joking at the moment. But I thought, well, that could be really bad, couldn't it? For each one of us. You know, we have those temptations. Are we going to choose, even if nobody else does, to be the three that stand up and say, not on my watch? Everybody else is in the college classroom talking about the fact that there is no God. Am I going to sit there and be quiet? Or am I going to stand up and go, I, I believe there is. Everyone else at work is talking about the boss trashing them. Are you going to throw in and pitch in your two cents, or are you going to walk away and choose not to? Everybody else is talking about their latest, greatest sexual exploits, and are you going to walk away? Everybody else is telling the dirty joke. Are you going to listen, or are you going to walk away? You see, I think it's in the little things that we walk through every day. I think it's in making the day-to-day decisions of choosing righteousness over evil that make it so much easier when the big decision comes to make a decision. If we choose to obey God and walk it out in the little things, I believe he honors that in the big thing. Is that making sense? And all of us, you and I, are going to have those temptations. And what are we going to do with them? Well, um, second thing is that our courage comes from faith in an all-powerful God. This is where they're getting their courage for this decision. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not have any power or authority to stand against the powerful king of Babylon. So in verse 13, it says, Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage, in order that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance. That's a pretty nice king. I mean, like he could have just thrown them in the furnace right then, but he's going to give them a second chance. He said, I'll give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I've made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace, and then what God will be able to rescue you from my power. Now, interesting, they didn't even give him a chance to even play the musical instruments. You see this? They're like, don't bother. They don't, they don't say that, but there's no musical instruments. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your God to worship the gold statue you have set up. So they're respectful, right? You got the word majesty twice. They're, they're giving him his position as king. They're respectful, but they're very clear. We won't bow. Don't even waste your time pulling the, the flute guy back out. Let him just stay on his break. We're not going to bow. Don't waste your time giving us a second chance. We won't bow. 
And just to make it clear, we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Wow, that's boldness, right? To the most powerful man in the world who carries life and death and who's already issued a decree that if you stand against him on this, he will light the furnace and you will be thrown in. So it's a clear black and white situation. And they say, your majesty, with respect, they're showing respect. We won't bow. Well, that's a bold statement. And we need people today who can make that kind of bold statement where we live, where we work, and where we play. Living in California, Sunday morning was just another day. More sports events were taking place on Sunday morning, the City League, than any other day of the week. It's going to be the same way here in Cookville. If we as parents just keep giving in, saying, yeah, We'll be there on Sunday morning. We'll be there on Sunday morning. If we don't hold the line and say, you know what, my kid's not playing. Sunday morning's the day we worship as a family. If we don't hold the line, then soon every kid that wants to play any sport be required to be here on Sunday morning. But you know what, we're so afraid our kid's not going to get that college scholarship to soccer or basketball or football that we won't stand up for our, our, our Lord and Savior. Who's going to be that person that says, here's the line. I won't go past that line. Now, I love sports. I loved my kids playing sports. If you know me, I'm a sports fan. But where's the line? Car shows. I love car shows. I like going to car shows. You can spend your whole weekend, every weekend going to car shows. There's one out there everywhere. I'm amazed by it. At what point does it take the lordship of your life? I just want to challenge us. Will we stand? There's a guy named Joseph, Joseph Kennedy. Anybody heard of Joseph Kennedy? You know who President Kennedy is? No relation. Just thought I'd say that. So Joseph Kennedy was a football coach in Washington. He was a believer in Christ. He'd been a Marine and came out, decided he wanted to be a teacher, wanted to be a coach. So he's teaching in in Washington State, and at the end of each game, as a personal conviction, he went out to the 50-yard line and would go pray and thank the Lord for the game and for, for the blessing of the game, and some of the students noticed him, and so he said, yeah, you can come out there with me, and a crowd started to gather, made some people nervous, said, oh, man, separation church and state, they're praying at midfield, and so they complained, so the, the board called him in and said, Coach, you can't be praying at the 50-yard line with students. Uh, you know, you can't, you can't be influencing them that way. You can't pray and coach at the same time. So the students cannot be there. He's like, okay, all right. So he told the students, you can't be there to pray with me. And he picked a time when they were doing something else. But at the end of the game, he'd go out there and pray by himself. Well, that still wasn't enough for the people that were angry. They said, nope, he's still praying in public. That's not Okay. He's praying in public, and he's a, he's a local leadership figure for these kids. So they went back to him and said, look, you can't pray on the 50-yard line. Go pray somewhere in your car or somewhere private. He thought about it. Next game, went to pray at the 50-yard line. Next day, he got fired. 
He was willing to take a stand for what he believed was right. He was willing to be respectful and honor their wishes initially to not have the kids be there with them. But he knew that God had told him that that's what he was supposed to do and that he felt like he was within his rights. Well, he took them to court. He had the courage to be the, the one, took them to court, and it went up the chain. He lost, he lost, he lost, went all the way to the Supreme Court. And June 27th, just two months ago, he won. He won the right. And let me read what Judge Gorsuch from the Supreme Court said in his uh, ruling on this, because I, th I think it's important for us to hear. Judge Gorsuch, who wrote the uh, comments for the side that favored the prayer, he said he wondered what would have happened had the line been drawn the other way. He said, barring personal private prayer or religious expression could allow schools to fire teachers for saying grace over their lunch or wearing a yarmulke to school. Under the district rule, a school would be required to do so, he said. What if Joseph Kennedy had been quiet? What if he had chosen to bow down? Or in his case, not bow down. Where would our religious liberties be today? I would say to you, there's a lot of people that they're going to keep pushing they're going to keep pushing to take God out of our country. Keep pushing to take God out of our lives. Prayer out of the public. I. And I'm not asking you, listen, this is, I'm not asking you to try to do a constitutional amendment. I'm asking you each day as you live, live in such a way that people see your, your passion for God. In your circle where God puts it before you, speak truth into that moment of what God has told you to speak truth in with gentleness and respect. On your social media post, with gentleness and respect, okay? I just can't stress those two words enough. Bold, courageous voice we need to hear with gentleness and respect. The two can live together. I believe that we saw that example in this state, this situation that I just told you about. I believe we can see more. Third thing, when we do what no one else does, we get to see what no one else sees. When we do what no one else does, we get to see what no one else sees. This is the fun part. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they got to see God at work on the front lines, okay? Listen to this. Let's pop up here at verse 19. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. I just wonder, can you imagine? You ever seen somebody so angry that it's like their eyeballs are about to pop out? I mean, this was the most powerful man in the world that just had three guys that were previously slaves stand up against him and say no. I mean, his rage has got to be just, well, it is, because you're going to see he tells them, turn the fire up hotter. So it says, uh, then he ordered some of the strongest men in the army. Oh, wait. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego 
and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and threw them in the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into roaring flames. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie three men and throw them in the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound, walking in the fire, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. The fire is so hot that the guys that are throwing them in became roasted, burnt. If you have anybody that wants to say, oh, that the reason they didn't die was it was just a small fire. No, it was seven times hotter. The king was embarrassed, and he was making a point, and he was making an example of these three. Got that fire pumped up seven times as hot, tied him up, had him thrown in. And then the king looks, and he goes, wait a minute. We had three guys tied up. Now there's four, and they're not tied up. And one of them looks like a god. You know what happened? Jesus came to the campfire. He brought some s'mores. <laughs> Amen? He's like, hey, come on. Yeah, we're, we're going to have a party. What Satan means for evil. We just sang that song, didn't we? What the enemy means for evil. God can use it for good. He can use it for good. When Jesus is inserted into the equation, it goes from a, a big loss to a big win. And I, I just want to say to you today, Shadrach, Meshach, and Bendigo, they got to see what all their buddies didn't get to see. They got to be on the front line of God doing something so crazy and so radical that they're like, they were set for the rest of their life. You know, they had stories to tell, right? And these guys, they weren't nobodies because when you read it, the astrologers were mad at them and said, these men that you have set up in authority in Babylon, in the province of Babylon, Babylon would have been the hometown, been like Washington, D.C. for America, right? So they were people of prominence, and they were rescued mightily by the Lord God Almighty. Oh, what a moment. What a moment. Listen, the angels, you know what? I don't know if the angels shouted in heaven at that moment, but the Bible says when one sinner repents and turns to Jesus, the angels in heaven rejoice. So if you think that was a big moment, the day that you got saved and born again, if you gave your life to Jesus, the whole, whole heavens were rejoicing. So what may have been as exciting that we read about then is no more exciting than when one person says yes to the Lord God Almighty. That's the kind of celebration we can be on the front lines when we're obedient to what God does. Now, what does God tell you to do? What does he lead you to do? I love the uh, Luke 12, Luke 12, 11, and 12, because sometimes people say, I don't know what to say. I'm scared to talk. I, I'm, I'm afraid to speak in public. Uh, Luke 12, Jesus addresses that, and he says, when you're brought to trial in the synagogues and before rulers and authorities, don't worry about how to defend yourself or what to say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what needs to be said. You may not know what needs to be said. Shadrach and Meshach, they just stood there, 
Sometimes that, somebody just needs us to stand. Sometimes they just need somebody to walk out on that dirty joke. Sometimes they just need somebody to walk out on that immoral moment. Sometimes they need somebody to speak up and say, I'm not going to participate in that. But the Lord will give you the power and the strength and the words in that moment if you'll walk with him in that moment. Well, I did a funeral yesterday for a sweet woman of God in our church, and there was somebody that came that said she just felt like God told her to speak, but she didn't like to be in public, and she didn't like to talk in public, and uh, she just felt like God said, you, you need to speak at this funeral. And she got up, and she told her stories of the lady, and what she said was, I came to this church at the invitation of somebody else. And she said, one, I didn't believe in God, but two, if I did, I hated him because of what I'd been through. But I came because somebody invited me. And I got here, and I met this lady and two others, and she said, they loved me so well that I saw Jesus. And, of course, I'm, I'm tearing up now. I was boo-hooing yesterday. I was like, amen, amen, and amen. And she wrapped up her whole thing with, so I want to challenge you. Invite somebody like me because you might just come, and their lives might be changed like mine. And I was like, I don't even need to preach. That girl just brought the whole thing, right? And yet her opening comments were, I don't like to talk in front of people. Listen, you may not like to talk in front of people, but you may be just the person whose voice needs to be heard in that moment. Don't wait on your pastor. Don't wait on somebody else. When the Spirit of God wells up inside of you and says, this is your moment, you say, yes, Lord. You tell him you're in. Don't know where it'll go from there. You might lose your job. Don't know where it might go from there. You might be ostracized by your family. Don't know where it goes from there. You might lose a friendship because you're loving them and they don't want to be loved by being told that they have an alcohol problem and they need to get help while they're destroying their family. Sometimes it's hard to be that one person. But will you do it? Will you choose to love ferociously and stand courageously as these men did? Well, fourth thing, God has the power. He has the power to shock and awe. Remember that phrase? God has the power to shock and awe. Look at verse 27. It says, then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell like smoke. Okay, this is Miracle City, right? Didn't even smell like smoke. The other guys were torched when they went to throw them in. Uh, over the weekend, we did some Boston butts and uh, barbecue, and man, I love those things. I just eat my weight in those things, you know what I'm saying? And I was the one peeling the, the meat off the bone, helping do that, and you that smell, it's like, how do you get it off there? I washed my hands all through the night. And then later on that night, I was going to bed, and I'm brushing my teeth, and I'm smelling that Boston butt smell on my fingertips. I thought, well, must be destiny. Let's go eat another pound or two, right? And it's like, don't, why, why fight the calling? 
But it's like you, when you get smoke in your clothes, you get smoke in your house, you can't get that smell out. It's there, right? And there was not even a smell. It's like God said, okay, not only can I rescue you, I'm going to shock and awe. I'm going to do one more thing just to get my point across that you know that there is one God and it's not that goofy looking statue on the hill. It is Lord God Almighty. And I want to say, if you'll take a stand for God when he tells you to, you get to see what no one else gets to see. And you'll get to see the power of God at work in a beautiful way. But even if, as, the, uh, as these guys said, even if God doesn't rescue them, they won't bow. Let me say that today. We need to have that level of faith that even if God doesn't rescue us, we won't bow. Have there been plenty of Christian martyrs through the generations? Definitely. Of the 12 disciples, one, Judas, committed suicide after he betrayed Jesus. Another one was boiled in oil for his faith, and the other 10 were murdered, martyred for their faith. Did God rescue them? Yep, multiple times. He rescued them out of the prisons. Multiple times he rescued them. But then each one of them, there came a point where he did not. But they never quit and they never gave up. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 tells this. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. That's the kind of power I want to see. That's God's glory I want to be a part of. Exceedingly above all I can ask or think. And the last thing, the fifth thing, God gets the glory when we're bold in our faith. Verses 28 to 30. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent the angel to rescue the servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb, and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other god who can rescue like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. If we will be obedient, God will get the glory when we're bold in our faith. What area of your life do you need to be bold? Are you prepared? I've gotten to go around the world to different countries, and one of the countries I loved going to was, was Romania. Matter of fact, I've talked about it in the first service, and and a lady in the church had just gotten back from Romania the week before. I got to go early on after Romania uh, went from communism to democracy. Uh, when the whole USSR fell, Romania was one of the last to, to leave communism and move towards democracy. And when we got there, boy, they really wanted to talk to Americans. They were just excited. Uh, you don't realize until you travel around the world how many people globally see you, people in America, as a symbol of freedom. And so as we got there, we're telling them why we, we love the Lord and why that's important to us, and we're sharing, 
sharing the good news, and we were partnered with a local church. It was a church that had survived all the way through communism. A Baptist church, I don't know, maybe 100, 150 people that had survived all the way through communism. And we had a conversation, and we, we saw a lot of fruit. We saw people come to faith in Christ. We saw teenagers come to faith in Christ, and I was like, hey, we need to, we need to baptize these guys. And they're like, oh, no, we don't baptize teenagers. I was like, what? They're like, yeah, we don't baptize teenagers. And I was like, well, the Bible says that somebody repents and gives their life to Jesus, you baptize them. They said, yeah, but we don't do that until they're after 18. And I was a little bit like, are you kidding me? And I was like, well, help, help me understand. Why wouldn't you baptize a teenager? They said, well, you have to understand what we've been through. They said, in communism, when you profess faith in Christ, that's fine. But when you follow with baptism, that's the symbol that Jesus is your Lord and you can no longer be a member of the Communist Party. And so when you, when you get baptized, they take away your, your rights to have jobs. They take away your rights to go to uh, education because all the schools are government-owned. All the jobs are government-given. All of this is powered by the government. And so if you become a Christian and you follow in baptism, you lose your education, you lose your job, you, you lose your health care, you lose your government uh, subsidies that they would give every family. They said, so we don't think anybody's ready to make that level of decision until they're 18. I was like, wow, what a naive American I am. We baptize no matter what age based on if someone's made a decision for Christ. And when they go, I remember my second oldest, <laughs> he, he wanted to get baptized after he saw his older brother get baptized because he got a Bible. He's like, his older brother got a Bible. He's like, I want a Bible. Can I get baptized? Like, that's not why you get baptized. I don't know. He was probably four years old, right? And, uh, but in that country, it cost you something. Cost you something to follow. What if it cost us something here to follow? What if it cost us our job to follow, as it did the fellow in Washington initially? What if it cost us our life to follow? There's a story, and I don't even know if it's true. It's one of those story, preacher stories I've heard multiple times. But the story goes that in the communist church, they were having church one night, 70 or 80 of them, and some guys came in with hoods on and machine guns and said, are you having a worship service? And they said, yes. They said, okay. Those that are willing to deny Christ, you can walk out that door right now. Those who are unwilling to deny Christ, stay here, and you'll become martyrs tonight. About that time, half the people got up, walked out the back door, and left. Half the people stayed. After the people got up and left and walked out the door, the guys took their hoods off and said, now let's have real church. If that were to take place in here, would we have real church? Would we stay? Or would we go? We've never had to ask that question, have we? But in other nations, they answer that question regularly. I want to ask you today. I'm going to do something different. I've never done this before in 20 years, but I, I just felt led as I was praying through this. 
I'm going to ask you to close your eyes because I don't want you to look around. I don't want you to care about what anybody else is doing. I'm going to ask you to take a stand today as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. And I'm not even going to look because you know what? I don't want to know. But if you know that today, if you're given that choice, that you would stay and you would worship God and you would not deny your Savior, I want you to stand right now. I want to take a stand for your faith right now. Don't anybody look around? Uh, So what I'm hoping is that today, this will be the easiest time ever to take a stand for Christ. I'm hoping that today that this is preparing you for the future. Now I invite you to sit back down. Okay? Now you can open your eyes. Now I want to speak to those that didn't stand up. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you that you you really wrestled with that and made a decision in that moment. I want to encourage you to continue to pursue God. I'm glad that you're here pursuing God. There were times in my life that I was not ready to make that same decision, and I would have stayed sitting down. So thank you. For those who stood up, I ask you now to carry that courage with you throughout your day-to-day life and stand up daily for what is important, your faith in Christ, your family, your friends, righteousness. And then I want to give us an invitation. Eli's going to play, and I want, I want to give you an invitation. I hope and pray that this has kind of stirred some stuff inside of you. So I'm going to invite you to stand up again, everybody this time. Everybody stand up. And if it stirred some stuff inside of you, I want you to come and talk to the Lord about it. On this side over here, you can come and you can just kneel and pray, and, and the rule is nobody will pray with you, okay? This is your private spot for you and Jesus. Maybe it's to pray for for a friend or family member that that you want to see understand the hope of Christ. Maybe it's to pray for courage. Maybe you're going through one of those moments right now and you're going, doggone it, why did he preach on this today? Okay, that's the Holy Spirit, right? Okay, and maybe you just need to talk to God about it. Hey guys, thanks so much for checking us out online today. If you want more information about the church or things that's going on here, be sure to check out theriverCC.com or download our app and visit us there. Also, as we go through the Bible this year, we want to help keep you engaged on what's being read and talked about each week. To do that, we have a podcast called The Word This Week, which will recap each week's readings as well as have special guests who will talk about what God showed them that week. So be sure to check that out on all podcast streaming platforms. And again, thanks so much for checking us out online.